0: Last week, I had the joy of doing an episode with Brandy Brown about the Berenstain Bears lost in cyberspace. And as we find with these chapter books, it taught a valuable lesson about you know, using the internet, the early days of the internet, the responsibility that people have in educating children on how to navigate the internet, uh, the dangers that lurk around the corners of the internet, uh, basic, you know, like child-on-child social relationships, and also, of course, busting up a ring of, I guess, like domestic terrorists was what it was about. I could, I'm not really sure what the villain's plot was in that one, but all in all, it taught a very human lesson that was extraordinarily relevant to its time. And that's why I'm glad to continue this trend with uh, this week's book, The Berenstain Bears and the Great Ant Attack. (music) Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week... We are going to get down and dirty as we get down into the dirt and talk about some ants. Do these ants go into pants? Perhaps. I don't actually think they go into pants. That's not that's not a plot point in this book. No ants enter pants in this book. They bite pants and in turn bottoms. But there are no ants within the pants of any of the bears in this book. Uh, so last week, as I said up top, I, I covered a book that was about the dangers of cyberspace. This book is about the dangers of genetic mutation. So... As we talked about, as Brandy and I talked about last week, uh, these books were primarily the brainchildren of Stan Berenstain. He was writing pretty much what he wanted to write about, telling the kind of exciting adventure stories that he wanted to tell, going off in random directions, turning Beartown into some sort of Twin Peaks-esque wild wonderland where anything is possible. And it's it's worth looking at this book, not only as a work of Berenstain Bears fiction, but as a piece of genre fiction in itself, because it occupies a category, a very specific category in genre fiction, specifically in horror fiction, science fiction horror fiction. And that's the big bug story. Uh, What is the big bug story? Well, big bug became a genre back in the 1950s. It was a sort of a a product of the nuclear era and our response to uh, the irresponsibility, as we saw it, of science. You see, there are many different reads you can do on science fiction and horror. And when you're looking at horror, and as someone who has a horror, uh, you know, it's a probably like 85% horror podcast in addition to this podcast, uh, you start noticing trends in horror, in horror fiction and in horror filmmaking, which is, is a very conservative trend. Horror tends to be, at least traditionally in America, a very conservative genre, conservative socially and conservative politically, even when it's made by people with very liberal bents, uh, because horror tends to... Look on the past as better than the present, or the past as something that is superior to the present intellectually. Uh, you're always having to turn back to the past. Ghosts are a very conservative horror genre because they are they are the past warning the present about about its own hubris or about its own mistakes. Uh, and and horror science fiction tends to play into the into the trope of. There is more danger in learning about new things than there is in remaining ignorant. And that's a very, a very socially conservative point of view, which is don't try to learn too much about the world because you're only going to get into trouble and this isn't a judgment i'm not making a judgment call on like that point of view because it has given us many great films and stories but but it is a very it is a very reserved and conservative viewpoint and so in the 1950s we had seen this the we well we had seen the detonation of two atomic bombs over hiroshima and nagasaki and we suddenly saw the it was the birth of the nuclear era which initially was a, was a bright shining thing because we were the we were the nation america was the nation that had control over nuclear power that quickly went away that quickly stopped being the the, the case as as the the arms race began and the way filmmakers and storytellers responded to this was by framing science in an extraordinarily negative light. All through the 50s, scientists became the villains. And this wasn't anything new. The mad scientist was, for decades at this point, a a recurring character. The, the, The person, generally a man, who has learned so much it has driven him to the brink of madness, or whose ambitions are so grand they naturally bend toward evil. And what the big bug movies of the 1950s did, beginning in 1954, pretty much uh, out of the gate with Them, uh, a movie about giant ants that come out of New Mexico, uh, is say, If we continue along these lines, nature itself is going to turn on us. Uh, We will not have any refuge from the horrors that nature will spring on us. And it will all be our fault because we will have ended up creating these monsters. So 1954's Them uh, gave birth to this whole... And and it's worth noting that uh, just a few months after Them came out, Japan released its first major film of the nuclear era, which was uh, known in the States as Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But Godzilla, King of the Monsters, really drew on these sort of this mythology. The, the like, let's look into Japan's like past. Let's find these like this this creature from the depths of our psyche that has that has been birthed by nuclear power, and not and specifically by nuclear power that has been forced on us. Whereas in the states, we said, let's look at this horror that comes simply from beneath our feet. This this this. Common creature these animals that are all around us, but who have suddenly gained power over us and What's terrifying about them is that and not just them exclamation point But them 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 in general and insects and bugs is that there are millions of them all around us And the only thing that keeps them from taking over is the fact that they are so very small and also relatively unintelligent They just kind of go about their business so them Uh, was this instant hit. It was this super, I mean, I I hesitate to use the word classic, but it it is a classic of the sci-fi horror genre. Uh, it was quickly followed up by a Tarantula in 1955. We had The Black Scorpion, which actually about a couple of black scorpions in 1957. Uh, Beginning of the End, which was Bert I. Gordon's film about giant grasshoppers uh, that attack the Midwest. And then we had The Deadly Mantis in 1957, which was about a deadly mantis, and was directed by Nathan Jurin, who went on to make The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, another classic. Uh, Earth versus the Spider, which was 1958, and has the distinction of being the first a uh, movie specifically made to be shown to teenagers because Drive ins were a big thing, and they had a few dollars to make. Uh, Monster from Green Hell in 1958, which was about giant wasps. Uh, the Strange World of Planet X in 1958, which was about a planet, uh, the uh, aliens who arrive on Earth to help us fight off giant insects. Um, and even though it's not really a giant insect movie, The Blob kind of falls into that category because it's a relatively mundane thing that takes it's kind of the thing that is an extension of the giant bug genre it's like what if not just giant bugs what if it's giant i don't know just forms of matter that take over um and through all of these we see a pattern emerging uh of, of 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 tropes of this genre things that are expected of filmmakers. In fact, uh there's an article online by Stefan Blitz called Insect Fear Big Bug Movies of the 1950s and he and he puts together kind of the 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 signposts In any big bug movie, the things that that are necessary for it to for it to be a stereotypical example of the genre. He says there's ominous origins, which is, you know, these these disasters that create these insects. Usually it's something that humans have created. Then there's the telltale signs, which is things that people come across that are like, that's weird that, you know, show off that the giant insects are around dead farm animals is next uh particularly cows uh then the heroic scientists will step in and who who identify what's going on who identify the source of the problem and clash with the military uh over how to solve this how how to find a solution to these giant insects a film within a film which is uh, basically it's a nature documentary that gets stuck into the middle of the story and like you so you have to sort of watch this educational film, so you can learn what ants are, I guess, and uh, and then maps, which is kind of pulling back, so you can get a, a a wide a wide view of the landscape and see you know like what lies in the path of these giant marauding creatures. And what's amazing, and the reason I bring all this up, and the reason I preface this this entire episode with all this information, is because those six signposts are completely present in this week's book in the great ant attack uh we have pretty much the quintessential killer bug movie the big bug movie uh and and i have to believe that this is something that stan berenstain jan berenstain you know they grew up watching these movies i mean they would have you know they would have been you know like they were adults by this point but uh, by the night, by the late '50s, this was you know they were they were they were very much plugged into the popular culture, and I can see them being like, you know what, we grew up with these kind of these kind of movies were super popular when we were younger. Let's do a bear name Bears version, and they do. In fact, it begins with the bear family going to see a giant bu- a big bug movie called Giant Insects from Outer Space. Uh, uh, sister doesn't want to go see it, but brother really does, and sister declares herself brave enough to go see it, and they. And so the whole family goes to see giant insects from outer space, even though it does scare sister quite a bit. She finds it a bit intimidating, uh, and, and but it scares her enough that she's concerned about why we need insects in the first place. And Papa's like, "Well, we got to have insects. You know, they got to pollinate things. We wouldn't have crops without insects." She's like, "Yeah, I'm not really buying it. I don't really buy the need for insects." Uh, and Mama's like, "Well, we need you know like mosquitoes and stuff. They seem annoying, but the the the, the fish eat them, and we wouldn't have the fish that we that we eat without it." without these insects around and that's when papa brings up kind of the kind of the the theme of the book which he says that's the balance of nature uh the balance of nature is the idea that everything is everything that, it, that occurs in nature is necessary if you lose too much of one thing it'll throw off the entire balance and everything will go to heck and so all of this is kind of setting up our story and it's setting it up pretty well so we shift from the bear family discussing the balance of nature to farmer ben who is we all know Farmer Ben. He is a very violent and angry man. We have dealt with Farmer Ben many times. He's not a happy man, and right now he is yelling and screaming and pulling his hair out because it says it says. While Farmer Ben had a good heart, he also had a terrible temper, and oh boy! So his his crops are being eaten up by the corn borer, the wheat worm, and the barley moth. And what's funny about corn borers, wheat worms, and barley moths is they're all just larvae, like it. They're all just like little caterpillars that eat your it's funny that they're called a borer a worm and a moth when in fact what you're worried about is always the larva it's just these these bugs that get all of your crops and 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 destroy them Uh, naturally farmer ben's upset about this why he's angry though is that crop duster joe who's a new character who by the way is the crop duster crop duster joe is saying that he he cannot use any stronger insecticides on Farmer Ben's crops because they're dangerous for the balance of nature. And Farmer Ben is demanding that Crop Duster Joe use DDT on the crops. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with DDT. Uh, It was a big deal. I believe it was back in the 70s, early 80s. Was it back in the 70s? When was DDT banned? I'm gonna ask that question because this is important. When was DDT banned? 1972 wow they were still talking about it in the 80s I saw a lot of news reports on it in the 1980s probably because the fallout was still being learned uh, DDT was this insecticide that was put on crops uh, for for decades and it was super effective like it it killed just it wiped out insects on crops it was super effective unfortunately it was also literally killing the environment it was it was i remember the one that i always heard about was peregrine falcons were almost wiped out of the face of the earth because the chemicals in the ddt would get into the environment and when and the peregrine falcons would lay eggs and it had some kind of effect on the peregrine falcons where their eggshells could not harden and so these eggs these Birds would lay eggs, and their their shells would just stay soft, stay soft, and they couldn't protect the chicks, and the chicks would die. So DDT was this was was very effective but very dangerous. And so Farmer Ben is furious that Crop Duster Joe will not use DDT, and he's like, "You gotta understand, uh, I can't. DDT is not approved. All the environmental folks are trying to do is preserve the balance of nature. And if I use DDT, Farmer Ben, I could lose my license." And Farmer Ben says, "Dang your license, dang the balance of nature." And uh, that's when Mrs. Ben steps in. She's like, just go inside. Just, honey, please just go inside. You're embarrassing me. Meanwhile, back at the Bear-sonian, uh, actual factual and furtifactual are in trouble because one of their experiments has escaped from its cage. Bless my spectacles. So it has, says the professor. And it's a winged ant that they have been working on. They have been actually creating new forms of life at the Bersonian Museum. And a winged ant has escaped. Now, there's two possibilities. It could be a male winged ad which means it's just going to escape and this is going to die because there's no one for it to mate with it won't be able to find it won't be able to live it's going to die possibility two is that it's a queen and and they were like but but it's if it's a queen and she lays eggs no real harm because she won't have a colony she'll just be a rogue queen she can't even if she lays eggs and one there's not going to be a colony there's also a third possibility but it's 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 too wild to even think of. not even worth thinking about okay so Meanwhile, the Bear family is going for a picnic. They go out to this giant field. Uh, with Cousin Fred and Babs Bruno. And I do find it funny that Lizzie Bruin is not a part of this. Babs Bruno's really become a part of these books over Lizzie Bruin. I think it's just because Babs Bruno's father is the chief of police. So they go to this field, and you could see the Beresonian Museum in the distance. And they're sitting down. They're going to eat some potato salad with pine nuts. They're going to drink some milk. They're going to they're gonna have a jar of Papa's homemade pickles, chocolate cake, cherry pie. They are all in on this picnic. And then all of a sudden, blood-curdling screams because ants show up, and not just any ants. These super ants, these humongous ants start dragging away their food, eating everything there, and biting people like crazy. In fact, one ant gets into the pickle jar and just clears it out, eats all the pickles just in a couple of bites. Just It's it's these enormous ants, and uh, so they, ca- they manage to capture one of them. And meanwhile, there's this stench following these ants, this stench of grape juice. And uh, and so the the Bears eventually ultimately get trapped on top of a rock and the ants are surrounding them and just eating everything in sight uh, the bears are actually in danger at this point because the because the ants are 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 carnivorous they are they are mindless and carnivorous and just want to want to eat and eat and eat so they they notice that the bearsonian is across the way they they head to the bearsonian and they're like actual factual please there's giant killer and these ants are big like the size of like puppies and actual factual is like all right it looks like the third possibility that i was worried about came true uh and you've never seen actual factual like this like he's in the depths he is in the depths of despair because he knows he's done something terrible he has invented a form of life that should not exist on this planet uh and and might in fact wipe out all life on this planet he says it's a disaster of such epic proportions that it boggles the mind. Oh grief, oh sorrow, the work of a lifetime brought to naught because of the escape of a single ant. And Papa's like, wait, no, no, no. This isn't just one ant. There's thousands of ants. There's th- This isn't just your escaped ant. Something else has happened. And Ferdy figures out what happened, which is that this queen ant escaped and found a colony that didn't have a queen. And they took that queen in as their queen and because it's a hybrid they don't know much about yet because the nature of hybrids as ferdy says is very unpredictable they don't know how fast this thing reproduces and apparently it reproduces uh, fairly quickly so actual factual realizes that these ants can eat everything except rocks metals and other earth substances they can only eat things that are organic and there's this funny exchange where sister's like, "Does that mean they can eat us?" And it, the, the, her question never gets answered. The implication is that yes. And so, Professor Actual Factual has this idea. He has his friend, Dr. Minerva Smith Jones, at the university. I don't know what the univer- what's university, but at the university. And Dr. Smith Jones is the world's leading authority on hymen hymenoptera. Hymenoptera is the uh, this basically the the study of ants like the 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 order of ants uh she is an old friend of actual factuals we don't know if she is an old flame of actual factuals they went to university together because they're british and uh basically she's like the only one who he can think of who'll know how to stop these so meanwhile the bear family is just filled with questions they're like how did you create these things what's a hybrid like why are these things so dangerous so he's like all right come into the other room and i'll show you what i can show you so already we've had several of these warnings we had ominous origins so we know for a fact now that these ants came from science science created these these ants human not human but bear hubris created these ants some sort of there's some sort of experiment telltale signs well we have that right off the bat Uh, there's ants at the picnic, and they're giant, and they bite. Uh, There's no dead farm animals, but there will be a threat to farm animals coming up. Uh, uh, Heroic scientists, we'll see if they end up being heroic. But here we get to number five, which is, remember film within a film, which is where the movie stops short for a science documentary? That exact thing happens in this book. Chapter five is called A Short Course in Ant Science, and it is literally the bear family being taken into a room filled with ant farms, uh you know, visual visible ant colonies all over the place, different sizes, different types of ants all over this room and give they're given a crash course in what an ant is, how ants are born, how their colonies work, uh, how they take care of their larvae, how they dig, what a queen does, uh, and and kind of the, the whole life cycle of ants. it's if you don't know what an ant is when you start reading this, like if you are just like giant what attack, the great huh? And you read this book and you're like, I'm, I'm getting to chapter five. And if I don't figure out what an ant is, I'm, I'm going to have to close the book. Don't you worry. Because chapter five is going to give you all the information you will ever need to know about what an ant is and what an ant does. Brother also learns the, uh, the horrifying news that there are no king ants because they mate and die. So uh, this is where we find that there's this colony of ants that they've imported from abroad. Where did they import these ants from? Um, Borneo. That's right, not not Borneo, Borneo. Uh, I have never, I did not know that this existed in the Bears universe. I did not know this was a this was a, a thing. I did. I don't know much about Borneo in in general. Um, in fact, I had to look it up. Borneo is the third largest island in the world. It's the largest island in Asia. Uh, and it is divided into Malaysia, uh, Brunei, and Indonesia. That is, I don't, I did not know the, anything about. Bor- so they say that they're from Borneo. It just says the jungles of Borneo. They, they don't they don't let you in on like which country in Borneo it is, or if even if maybe Borneo is a country in Bear World. I don't know. For all I know, Borneo isn't Borneo, but the jungles of Borneo. Are there jungles in Borneo? Yes, yes. Uh, at 130 million years old, Borneo's rainforest is one of the oldest in the world and home to a dizzying number of species. In fact, uh, Borneo has a lot of ants. Borneo has a lot of ants. Um, it looks like hundred 109 different versions of ants, maybe, in Borneo? Yes. Uh, 109 ver- 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 variants of ants. Actually, there's 796 species and subspecies of ants in borneo so i don't i mean that this is a possibility are there are there army ants in borneo i don't know uh yes uh yes y- y- it looks like yes there are there is a version of the army ant uh in 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 borneo so okay because that's what we're getting to so the Borneo ants uh are huge and aggressive. And they're army ants. And they're, they don't pull any punches on, on what army ants do. It says, uh, they chase down and eat beetles and large insects, toads, lizards, and salamanders. And from time to time, an entire colony will move to a great distance and establish a new home, capturing food along the way. During a move, the large queen is actually carried by worker ants. It's quite a sight. The colony on the move looks like a great army that's why they're called army ants and brothers like do the bear country ants eat animals too and ferdy says "Eh, only occasionally um mostly you know bear country ants eat plants um but you know that's why they're eating you know they, they these they're eating farmer ben's uh plants so we thought we would create a hybrid ant to help him out um I don't know how they're going to help him out, but to help him out, and then the ant queen escapes, and now everyone's in trouble because it looks like she's reproducing. So they run to the tower and look out of their telescope that's up there, and this is where they see uh, thousands and thousands, zillions, as they say, of ants tromping across the countryside. They call Babs's father, police chief Bruno, and there's like, look, we're st- we're in the Barrisonian tower. There's ants on the move. Uh, and, and the police are like, yep, Police Chief Bruno's actually there. there. There's a police cop chopper heading your way. And they are bringing Dr. Smith-Jones. So Smith-Jones shows up and has this long conversation with actual factual about the ants. She's super impressed by them. Her life is ants. She loves ants. And at this point, Dr. Not Dr. At this point, Marguerite, uh, Officer Marguerite shows up. And she's going to take mom. Okay, so she's going to take mom and papa back to the treehouse to pick up some photo albums and family heirlooms. At this point, things are becoming an actual disaster movie. So the, the this wave of ants is sweeping across bear country, destroying everything in sight. The bear family is aware that their house is going to be on the chopping block. It is a organic material. It's going to be eaten and destroyed by these ants. Everything they own is going to be destroyed. So Papa and Mama head to the treehouse with Officer Marguerite to get some just important family things that maybe they can salvage before the ants destroy it. The cubs are left to the Bear because the building is made out of stone, so the ants will probably ignore it. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Smith-Jones looks out of the telescope and realizes that the colony of ants they're seeing crossing bear country isn't just a, ma- a huge colony. It's three colonies that have joined together. And the fact that these three colonies have—and they can tell by like the way the ants look—the three colonies joined together— Means that this—they're not going to stop. It is impossible to stop them. They are—they're only gaining in strength. They're not aggressive towards other ants. In fact, they just incorporate other ants into their like group. And this is where they get on the phone. They call the mayor and basically say you have to declare a state of emergency. Meanwhile, this ant colony is heading straight for Farmer Ben's farm. They're going to destroy everything in the farm and, and you can see like they're moving it's like this like shadow moving across bear country and as it moves and as it moves it leaves behind a trail of dead earth like it just it, it, it eliminates all life and i guess nutrients from the soil so they call they call the mayor and they're like you have to declare a state of emergency and the mayor doesn't want to declare a state of emergency for a bunch of ants until the ants begin invading bear town and and i think this is very telling in bear town but and they start Biting the main like the, the ruling class, essentially the president of the bank, Judge Gavel, uh, the mayor himself. They all get bit. Uh, the Town librarian. They get bit. That's when he declares a state of emergency. So here's where we get to a little wrinkle in the story. Uh, professor Smith Jones is so impressed with, with actual factual. She says what you, what you, a non-specialist and your nephew have done in the field of hip of hymenoptery is truly astonishing. I would go so far as to say that your development of antis Maximus will go down as the greatest achievement in the history of ant science. I bow to you, my old friend, the name actual factual will live forever in the annals of science. And he's like, well, what are we going to do about it? And this is my favorite part. Dr. Smith Jones looks at him. She's like, do well, I don't know what you're going to do about them. What I'm going to do is go back to the university, write up my report on your achievement, and send it off to Ant, the history of hymenoptery. And she's like, and, and actual fact, was like, wait, what? We have to stop these. We have to stop these ants. They have to be stopped. They can make the earth uninhabitable. All life. They will eat all plant life, all food. They will make the earth uninhabitable. And she says, oh, no, no, no. The earth will be perfectly inhabitable by ants. Look at it this way. Ants were here millions of years before we were, and they will be here millions of years after we're gone. And she refuses to help. And he's like, what about your family? And she's like, my family. Ants are my family. And it's only the imploring of brother bear and sister mentioning the balance of nature that changes her mind. She's like, fine, I will help you to stop these ants. Now... The mayor has given emergency powers to the chief of police, and they figure out the only thing that can stop these ants is an insecticide, is, is not only DDT, but is an insecticide called super DDT. It's incredibly dangerous. It's probably going to kill a lot more than just the ants. It's going to eradicate all the useful insects as well. It's just, it's going to salt the earth, but it will get rid of the ants. And this is where the story starts taking. Okay, so let me look at our signposts again. So we had. Uh, Farmer Ben's farm animals are being threatened at this point by the ants. They will be stripped to the bone if they don't do anything. Heroic scientists. Yes, it was the scientists fault that these things were created. Now it is up to the scientists to take them down. Uh, it says in this description that the, the, the scientists will clash with the military, and we're going to kind of get that in the future. One thing it doesn't mention is the, is the sort of mad scientist who's like, no, 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 we must befriend them, which Dr. Smith-Jones sort of is. They have to talk her out of it, but initially she's kind of on the side of the ants. Also uh, maps was one of the was one of the signposts and we got maps Uh, we it doesn't show it explicitly but we we have the telescope scene where they look out over bear country and you get a good idea of the layout of of bear country and where the ants are headed uh, and how big they are in relation to the town so we're touching on all of these points now. Farmer Ben is trapped in his farm. He and Mrs. Ben are trapped on the tractor. The police car has to pull up and save Farmer and Mrs. Ben, who are caught on the tractor. um, And they call Crop Duster Joe. So they call Crop Duster Joe, who fits his airplane um, with aluminum dope. I don't, or at least I didn't. Okay, so they call him up. And let me just read to you how it says this. They call him up. He's on the phone. And he says, let me repeat that, chief. I'm to fly to the university, pick up a supply of Super DDT, then I'm to rendezvous with you in the police helicopter over Farmer Ben's farm. I know where that is. Ben's a regular customer. What's this all about, chief? Army ants, you say? My plane? Well, she's an old Jenny. All wooden fabric, except for the control wires, of course. Well, she's painted with aluminum dope. Why do you ask? They never explain what aluminum dope is. I don't know what aluminum dope is i had to look up what aluminum dope is and i found out that it's 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 also called aircraft dope which didn't help um it's a it's it's a lack it's like a, a lacquer that you you put on the fabric on aircraft like that's it the, And later on they they called it they they replaced it just with aluminum so i guess it's like an aluminum paste or like a like a thick like you just you paint it on uh it's, it says it looks like silver paint uh, and I guess it protects. So, so I guess what he's saying is the ants won't bite through it because it, it will trick them into thinking it's his non-organic material. So he takes off and the ants are all over his biplane. And it's, an action, it's actually an action scene. Good old Jenny, he shouted as the plane took off. But as he pulled back on the stick to climb, he saw that some of the ants had managed to reach the plane. The ones on the wings seemed to be trying to eat through the aluminum dope. And some were already eating through the bamboo struts that held the biplane together. The situation was desperate and desperate situations call for desperate action. He pulled back on the stick and climbed he climbed at 10,000 feet which was as high as old Jenny could go then he pushed forward on the stick and pulled her into a steep power dive Joe's idea was to dive so fast the slipstream would blow the ants off the plane down 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 roared old jenny the question was which would come off first the ants or the wings as the ground came up to meet him joe held his breath and pulled back on the stick to fly up again and glory be the wings stayed on and the ants didn't joe thanked his lucky stars and headed for the university so that's joe like we had this dramatic takeoff so joe and the police mostly the police kind of are the military in this there's no there's no army called out but we do have we we are we are now weaponized and this is where things start Becoming a little more like Godzilla. So in Godzilla, one thing people don't take into account when they think of the history of the Godzilla movies is that the first Godzilla is so much about the human. I mean, they're all about the human characters, but the first Godzilla is really about the human characters. And there's this, there's this one scientist who has the only way that you, they can. They've tried everything to defeat Godzilla, and there's this one scientist who's like, "Well, I have this weapon I created, and." It's called the Oxygen Destroyer. And it's such a dangerous weapon because what it does is it destroys all oxygen so nothing can breathe. I created it. I destroyed the notes for it. And now I've hidden myself away because I didn't want anyone to ever know I invented this terrible weapon that will kill everyone. But we can use it on Godzilla. It's the worst thing in the world. And that's what we have here with Super DDT, which is I have this weapon that it's going to create so many more problems, but it will get rid of our one big problem right now. So... The police get to the Bersonian Museum. Everyone piles into the helicopter. The Cubs, Dr. Smith, Jones, everyone, and heads over to Farmer Ben's farm. Uh, this is where we find out that the ants smell like grape juice because uh, they are of the family Formicidae, which means that the ants' bodies are made mostly of a chemical called formic acid. Grape juice is made of very similar chemicals. That is why ants smell like grape juice, which I didn't know, and is pretty gross. Uh, so the super DDT plane starts flying over Farmer Ben's and they and Farmer Ben's farm is just it's being utterly destroyed um, like it's being torn apart by these ants and then we said like after what I've seen today chief I'm not sure of anything said Dr. Smith-Jones the trouble is that super DDT may be as dangerous as the super ants The reason we stopped using DDT, and Super DDT is even worse, obviously, is that it's bad for the environment. It causes all kinds of problems. It's an excellent insect killer, but it kills good insects as well as bad insects. Honeybees, uh, other ants, the ants that eat the aphids that destroy crops, and we'll be in big trouble if we don't have butterflies to carry pollen from plant to plant. So they are gonna be putting bear country into even greater distress than it's ever been in before in order to get rid of these ants. So their crop duster, Joe, is flying over, and he's getting ready to descend. Uh, now here's the deal: the super DDT is so dangerous that if Crop Duster Joe himself breathes in any of it, he's gonna be very he's gonna get very it's dangerous for him. So he's gotta fly at 80 miles an hour. We don't want any of the super DDT blowing back on you. Um, as you begin your run, I'm gonna count down from 10. When he gets to one, open up with the super DDT. Understood? So Crop Duster Joe is flying in at 80 miles per hour to Farmer Ben's farm. We have the police up in the helicopter, keeping an eye on him, ready to tell him when to drop his load. Dr. Smith-Jones begins counting down. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, but she never reaches one. Attack canceled, attack canceled, shouts Dr. Smith-Jones. And Actual Factual is like, wait, why are you canceling the attack? and smith jones is like look look down there and they notice that the the flood of ants has stopped moving and that it's getting brown at the edges and they're like wait what, what what's going on so they land and when they step off the chopper there's this dead ants as far as the eye can see everything is just dead dead as a doornail and the ones that aren't dead yet are on their backs and are about to die and what they figure out is that Antus Maximus, as Ferdy says, is a hybrid. You can't always predict how hybrids are gonna turn out. One of the things that's hard to predict is how fast they'll reproduce. Well, as we saw, Antus Maximus produced many, many colonies in an amazingly short time. But as sometimes happens with hybrids, they just sort of ran out of reproductive power. So also, hybrids can catch certain diseases more easily than natural creatures. Uh, they have, they're they gonna to have to like study the ants under a microscope to learn more about them, but it turns out the ants were killed by their environment. And this is where the, the story takes a wild turn into War of the Worlds territory. If you ever saw War of the Worlds or Red War of the Worlds, remember that War of the Worlds was about a an alien invasion that seems hopeless until all of a sudden the aliens just die. Like they just they just die. Like at the at, at the at the at the zero hour, the 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 machines stop working, and when people go inside, the aliens are dead because they just caught a common human disease, probably the common cold, couldn't fight it off and they died uh unfortunately for farmer ben uh their entire farm was destroyed by the ants and they don't have an insurance that covers it uh but uh the farm department at the university chips in to help them rebuild i'm like i think maybe the Bersonian museum should chip in chip in since it was their weaponized ant that caused all this problem no one pay no one really has to pay for this actual factual and Fertifactual factual were like creating unnatural life in their museum. No one seems mad about it at all. And in fact, now Sister Bear not afraid of insects anymore. Like she's just like I don't care about insects anymore. Like this is, uh, none of this scares me. Uh they had, they, they mentioned they have to plow all the ants under, which is kind of gross. There's like all these ant ant corpses. Um they have to treat the soil because there's so much formic acid in there now. Like there's weird details like that in this. There's there's a lot of ant knowledge in in the great ant attack. So uh, someone did their homework. It's it's an interesting book. Uh, and then, it, yeah, it, and then it just ends. Farmer Ben and Mrs. Ben have rebuilt the farm. And and that's it. So what we've got is a, we've got a big bug story. We've got our ominous origins created by rogue scientists. We've got tell, because these are, they are rogues. Like, actual factual is attached to a museum, but he's, it's his museum. So he's a rogue scientist. He doesn't belong to any legitimate institution. We have the telltale signs, well, they're at a picnic, an ant's attack. We don't have dead farm animals, we have threatened farm animals. Oh yeah. So we find out that Farmer Ben's farm animals actually broke out of their pens and escaped into like the woods to escape the ants. So no no animals were killed, but they could have been killed. We have the heroic scientist. We have actual factual, we have Dr. Smith Jones and we have Fertifactual, uh, Ferdy factual actually uh who clashed with the military who clashed a little bit the clash with the police there was some arguing back and forth on whether they should use the ddt it wasn't uh it wasn't a a total clash and as it says in this list uh more often than not they end up working with the military so we have the we have the science and military working side by side to defeat the insects we have the film within a film we had a whole chapter on the history what what an ant is and we have maps and uh and, and and in the godzilla vein we had the super weapon that was too dangerous to think about too dangerous to use they ended up having to they ended up not having to use but you know They would have used it if they if they didn't and then we have this sort of war of the world sci-fi ending where where the the, the, the earth itself was too much for the for the invading force and uh, You do that with your hands, and it's all you didn't have to lift a finger if they just waited it out They would have been fine. So uh, and that, that's the great ant. attack so what's interesting is the last book was about the internet this book was about giant ants and they're both, I mean, they're both equally delightful reads. They're both uh just a delight to 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 have in your collection. And just just I mean, I would highly recommend the giant ant unlike other books like like say like the sci-fi pizza or the ice monster, and those are both Bear Scouts books. There's no twist at the end of this. There's no like, oh, it wasn't giant ants all along, or uh, you know, like oh, we thought it was this rogue ant, but it was actually this natural phenomenon, or it was the work of 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 Raffish Ralph Ripoff, who used the bear's own natural fear of ants and some tall tales to convince the bears that giant ants were attacking. That no, that none of that happens. This is, it's it's all legit. It's all legitimately sci fi weirdness. This wasn't the sci fi pizza where it wasn't actually a, a science fictional pizza. It was a uh, hidden. There's so many little weird plots that end up unraveling in these chapter books and i'm just delighted that this whole thing was legitimately weird from the start not to mention the illustrations are delightful the ants are hilarious they are sentient looking enough that you feel weird that there are thousands of corpses at the end by the way there's thousands of ant corpses at the end Like the whole book is just it's it's fun it's funny and i'm so sad that we're barreling towards the end of these chapter books now because we've only got two left after this. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have two chapter books left after this one. And I am—I uh, feel weird about it. I feel weird about it as we approach the sixth anniversary of this show. We are about to end the big chapter books. It's the end of an era. I mean onward and upward, right? But it's still the end of an era. Um But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for, for being a part of this whole mess. And thank you so much for putting up with me and my bad attitude towards life. That's not I, you would it's weird that I would bring that up because you have no idea what I'm like outside of this show. I have a bad attitude towards life, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm tired all the time. So we'll see how that adventure goes as I as I continue existing on this on this mortal plane. Oof. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, you can find me at Bearcast, uh, dot org. You can find me on Twitter at BstainBearCast. You can find my personal Twitter. I am at P Corey Gonzalez. That's P-C-O-R-Y-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S. I do most of my tweeting from there. I have two other podcasts. I have It's Del Toro Time that I do with my teenager Willow, where we have been... Uh, watching a bunch of movies and reading a bunch of stories, and we're back to watching movies. So if you want to check in on that, we're about to release the episode on Dario Argento's Deep Red, if you like a little giallo in your life. And I have Pizza Toast with Christy Admiral that's been on a extended hiatus, but we are, fingers crossed, about to deep dive into the Babysitter's Club movie over there. So check us out over at Pizza Toast. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening once again. Thank you for your support, and I will see you all next time deep in bear country.